Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Quick note before we begin, the Finding Genius Foundation, as part of the Finding Genius Podcast, has recently completed a book about understanding viruses. So the creation of this book was to interview 100 virologists, ask them a lot of deep, difficult questions, take the most difficult questions, and then re-interview the top 25 or so and ask them the hardest questions I could think of. And we compiled that all into a book. So you'll see question and four or five experts' answers. Question, four or five experts' answers. There's about 30 questions in the book. I think it's a great read for the layperson and for the researcher. talks about a lot of speculation in the world of viruses, such as are they alive or not, and why is it important? Uh, Why do viruses go latent or hidden or ineffective or sit in a person or an animal or another creature for weeks, months, years? and then suddenly become virulent and affect that person. Uh, so there's a lot of really provocative questions in the book. It's now on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon and type in Finding Genius, you'll see the book on viruses. It's also on Kindle. The Audible version is in production and should be ready in approximately a month. But if you want to go and order it now, uh, you can do so again by going to Amazon or Kindle or go, go to findinggeniusfoundation.org and go to Publications. There's an opportunity as well to get the transcripts of all the interviews and to hear the original interviews themselves. If we had put them all together, the book would be about a thousand pages, but we condensed them down to make it juicy and concise and tight and very interesting. So I hope you'll check out the book. Uh, we're now working on one about cancer, but this is going to be our goal is uh, three times a year to come out with these masterclass books that I think will inspire new scientific research. And I hope you'll check it out. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a really great guest, uh, John McDougall. He's the founder and director of the nationally renowned McDougall program. Uh, We're going to talk about the effects of nutrition on disease. Uh, He's a board-certified internist and author of 13 national best-selling books. Uh, The international online McDougall newsletter he produces. He's co-founder also of the 10-Day Live McDougall program in Santa Rosa, California. And he's a clinical instructor for four schools uh, training young physicians. Uh, he's also licensed in five different states in the U.S. So, John, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Well, pretty good. I, you know, you, you left out the most important part. I'm the oh. grandfather of seven grandchildren, which I think we're going to get into talking about a little towards the end of this presentation. Is uh, well, that's yeah, great. that's really cool. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm all those things. I've I've seen over twelve thousand patients in my career, oh. which expands more than a half a century. And for for forty four years, I've had the opportunity to lock people up in various institutions and make them do what I recommend. You know, I've res- in other words, I've run residential programs, uh, but we, we stopped doing that with COVID-19. Really? Wait, wait, let's, let's talk about that just be- even before we start. What, what kind of residential programs would there be in which someone, are they well, voluntarily being oh, yes. housed or are they, uh, you know, what's this they like? Pay, they used to pay me $6,000 plus for me to lock them up and brainwash them. What, what I would do, first, I, I ran this program for 16 years at St. Lena Hospital in the Napa Valley. So it was a, it's a medical-based program. And uh, over the last 18 years, I've run this program at a resort 
in Santa Rosa, California, but with COVID-19, we've changed it to an online internet program, which I want to talk to you about after I tell you about the uh, residential sure, sure. programs we've run. As I said, I've, I've personally seen over 12,000 patients. Uh, we've published data on 6,000 patients, and you can find our research in the National Library of Medicine that tells you of the benefits. Uh, just, you know, in seven days, we're able to cause people to lose three to three and a half pounds, eat as much as they want of delicious food. And, you know, we've been able to, to study and to analyze how these people do. And at the end of a year, according to research done at Oregon Health and Science University on our program, at the end of the year, 85% of people are still compliant with the program that we taught them. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because we feed them such phenomenal food as far as taste goes. And we, we'll get into that. I think you'll like the, the things that I recommend. And the, the results are so phenomenal. Uh, average drop cholesterol is 22 points in seven days. Maintained over a year, by the way. It's been studied independently. Uh, we get uh, nearly 90% of people off their medications, particularly their blood pressure and their diabetic medications. In other words, it's a life-changing experience, but I have to tell you, big changes beget big results. And we really ask people to do a lot to save their life. Well, what is the program like when you go? What do you eat? What are some examples? And right. What do you do differently than what you do at home? Well, you know, the, the, the Western diet, the American diet has become a diet that was once reserved for aristocrats, for kings and queens. And because of the Industrial Revolution and because of the harnessing of fossil fuels, we've uh, developed a planet where everybody can and does eat like a king and queen. You know, Burger King, Dairy Queen, Imperial Margarine. You know, we eat like royalty of the past. And what would you expect? But we look like royalty of the past. But what do you picture in your mind when you think of royalty in the past sitting at a dinner table full of rich yeah, food, like a, right? Uh, right, rich foods. And there's too, way too much of it for any one person to eat. And I'm picturing right. several pictures of, you know, Maybe Henry VIII or something. I think he yeah, was pretty overweight. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I want you to picture in mind. How about the people that were working for Henry VIII out in the field? What do you think they were eating? Yeah, they were eating probably a lot more vegetables. And, uh, you know, they didn't get nearly as much meat. And they were probably working pretty hard. And they were, I would guess, a lot thinner. Right. And what, what, they, what they ate was they ate starch, which is, of course, a vilified category of food. And that's why people can never get well. They lived on starch. For example, in Asia, the traditional person, the hardworking person lives on rice. In Central America, the Incas and the Aztecs were known as the people of the corn. And in the breadbasket of the world, remember that place, the breadbasket of the world? You know, uh, the Middle East, where they used to eat bread? And, and how about South America, where the uh, Incas lived on potatoes? They fought battles. They ran, ran athletic events. They had millions of children over 1,300 years of their civilization. And, uh, you know, they lived on potatoes, except for they went to battle. They, they took quinoa because it was lighter to carry. Uh, the traditional diet, what I'm trying to get around to is the traditional diet for human beings has been a diet based on starch, like rice, corn, potatoes, wheat, some beans, maybe very little meat, almost no dairy at all. And that's the diet that's caused people to be hardworking, to win battles. That's the diet that I use to help people get their health back. As I say, the average weight loss is, uh, is almost three and a half pounds in seven days. Well, at one year, Oregon Health and Science University, that's the medical school in Portland, studied our, our uh, participants. And at one year, the average weight loss was 20 pounds. These people didn't even come to my program for weight loss. They came for multiple sclerosis. So, you know, I just would like to make a simple concept. 
the reason people are sick in America and the Western civilizations is because we become wealthy and we can eat like kings and queens. The way to return your health is to go to the diet that human beings have eaten. I mean, 99.99% of human beings that have walked this earth have eaten starch-based diets. Well, and- I, I have a question here. You know, I could see, like, I guess the Aztecs or whatever it is, uh, they, they subsisted on corn, but they certainly didn't have like GMO corn and maybe the corn we have today or the wheat. If they eat wheat, uh, you know, it wasn't probably this dwarf wheat that is the only kind we have, and it's maybe been genetically modified. So it, if someone is just going to take, you know, if someone's just going to eat the foods that, that are labeled with the same name as they were many years ago, would they get, would they be getting the same kind of food or is it diminished in its quality? Well, you know, I think most of it is theoretical, but I would rather not get into that. You know, uh, certainly Monsanto is evil and GMO food should have never been part of our diet, but it's not the cause of massive obesity. It's not the cause of, uh, of type 2 diabetes. Half the population in the United States, excuse me, is pre-diabetic. Yes, half the population is pre-diabetic. Let, let me give you a statistic that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association in 2013. Uh, they looked at people in China. And prior to 1980, the Chinese lived on a diet that was 90% white rice. And before 1980, there was no obesity. There was no type 2 diabetes. This article published on the recent health of the Chinese people showed that 12% of the Chinese were diabetic and half were pre-diabetic. You know, you can go to China and what you find is you find the second largest number of Tesla supercharger stations on the planet. Only, only the United States has more supercharger stations. These people became rich and look what happened to them. Before we continue... I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. So, you know, getting back to what I do is I have people who are tired of taking diabetic pills, high blood pressure pills, facing heart surgery, you know, the risk of cancer, constipated, acne, et cetera. I, I take people who are tired of suffering from the diseases of kings and queens, and I feed them the diet that human beings were designed to eat, and that's a starch-based diet. Rich foods are for special occasions. Rich foods are for your birthday. That's when you have birthday cake. You know, on Easter, you have eggs. On, on Thanksgiving, you have turkey. Thanksgiving, that's the biggest feast meal of the year for Americans, isn't it? Actually, right. it's the healthiest meal of the year for most Americans. It's most vegetables, lowest fat meat products. And it's, you know, after Thanksgiving, it's one feast after another. 80% of the people in the United States are overweight. You know, they predict soon 70% will be obese in the southeast of the United States. This, hmm. this is, a, uh, this is a, a disaster. Okay, well, let's get into the, uh, to the diet. So... All when right. you say starch, what, what do people consume in the program specifically? Oh. Like, what does their week look like? What does their food look like? 
we, we have over 4,000 recipes published and they're actually, I don't know, six, 800 that are on my website, which I would encourage you to go to. I, maybe you will give a shout out of how people can reach me. Sure. But we have 13 national best-selling books, as you've mentioned. We have 4,000 recipes published. We have a, a thousand recipes in a McDougal cookbook app. So what you eat are things in the morning for breakfast, like oatmeal, hash brown potatoes cooked dry, waffles, pancakes. For dinner, you have, and lunch, maybe the same thing. You have pasta and marinara sauce. Lushu vegetables over rice, bean burritos. Oh, I love, I just love, you know, you give me a nice tortilla shell, some good beans, some rice, some salsa. You know, I couldn't eat any better than that. You know, let, me, let me kind of bring things back to this rich food stuff. And let me explain to you what people are sacrificing their health for. Rich food, you can't eat it unless you cover up the flavor. You can't eat a piece of meat unless you put, first of all, you got to cook it and then you got to heavily dose it with salt and then you got to put steak sauce on it. Would you eat boiled beef? Would you eat boiled chicken? It's disgusting. It's not human food. So the way we trick the human being into eating it is we, we bread it and we fry it and we, you know, we put all kinds of salt and sugar all over it and spice. And finally you can choke it down, but what do you lose? What, what are you losing? You know, you're fighting a lifelong battle of obesity you run the risk of type 2 diabetes, the women in your life, breast cancer, uterine cancer, colon cancer for everybody. What a way to live. I don't believe, I don't believe one more birthday cake, one more steak is worth dying for, for most people if they knew better. I agree. Yeah. What's, um, I have a question for you. I've interviewed people that will talk about, let's say, uh, being on a carnivore diet or a ketogenic diet. Um, right. And they seem to have thousands of testimonials. And I've interviewed right. people that will say, oh, go with a plant-based diet. And here you are with a more of a starch-based diet. Yes. Do you think, that the, the, do you think these results are real? And yes. if they are, why would these different diets seem to work well for people? And it's okay. not just one diet, it seems like. All right, well, let's go to the ketogenic diets. The ultimate in the ketogenic diet movement was Robert Atkins, correct? You will find... I know, a- you will find an interview. I mean, Barry Sears, you know, there are a whole bunch of, of, of advocates of, you know, grain brain, et cetera. A whole bunch of these people who are pushing low carbohydrate diets. Well, Robert Atkins was the originator of all this, at least as far as modern times go. And, and by the way, you can go to my website. You can see an interview. I had Robert Atkins on my radio show in the distant past. The, the, these diets do work, but let me tell you how they work is you eat a diet that has virtually no carbohydrate. In other words, you eat a diet of chicken and fish and beef and pork and cheese, no carbohydrate. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Well, the body burns carbohydrate as its preferred fuel. Remember glycolysis from high school biology? It, it burns, it wants to burn carbohydrate. If you don't provide carbohydrate, what happens is it burns fat. And a side, a side product of, of fat burning is ketones. Ketones, you go into a state of ketosis. Ketosis occurs naturally when people become very ill or they starve nearly to death. These are survival mechanisms. So what happens is when you stop eating carbohydrate, you become sick. Well, initially, you lose about 8 to 10 pounds of water, and everybody's thrilled because, well, I don't need to go into the mechanism for that. But the long-term benefit is you are so ill, you lose your appetite and you lose weight. But nobody can stay on that diet, or very few people can stay on that diet for a long time. 
I, I would give you Robert Atkins as an example. He and I met at the World uh, Nutrition Conference in Washington, D.C. And shortly afterwards, he died. He was declared obese when he died. He definitely had heart disease, high blood pressure. The guy was not healthy. So, you know, that's what happens to people when they get into these gimmicks. Starve myself, uh, make myself sick diets, take uh, diet pills, get into surgeries where you rearrange the, the intestines to be thin. But you, you're, you're paying a huge price for something that's so simple to fix. Let me ask you, when you picture people in Vietnam, I don't know whether you're old enough to experience the Vietnam conflict. I was. Or Thailand or Cambodia. Do you think of uh, overweight people or thin people? Yeah, they're usually very thin. Yep. Do, are they rice eaters or are they meat eaters? Yeah, I mean, because of their income level, they definitely would be uh, Hey, the Japanese, eaters, the yeah. Japanese, the Chinese are, the Chinese are richer than Americans. Anyway, you see what they've done to their diet too, right? I mean, the, I just told you the Chinese are facing epidemics of heart disease, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. They're, 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 anybody who eats the rich American diet, if you're going to eat like a king and queen, you're going to look like a king and queen. You're going to feel like a king and queen. This is just basic fact. It's been with us for thousands of years. I could tell you the same story about the pharaohs 4,000 years ago in Egypt, how they ate the rich food. The priest used to steal the meat offerings off the God statues and take them home to their family. Half the people examined their mummies, their, their remains. Half the people had artery disease. These, some of these people were obese. If you're going to eat like a king and a queen, you're going to look like a king and a queen. And what, what kings and queens do and the aristocrats and the rich people is they give up the beans. They give the rice, the potatoes, they give those things up and they, they, they eat like rich people eat, you know, like, like the preferred people in society. But the sacrifice is huge. And I want to get into the sacrifice of the planet if we can in a while. Okay. So what, what is a day in the life of someone on your plan look like? What are they eating? You, you gave okay. an example of what's breakfast, you know, uh, oatmeal, well, et cetera. But what are, what are the subsequent meals look like? Okay. Well, I gave you a few, but I'd love to give you some more. Think of soup. Sure. I mean, there's bean soup, pea soup, there's tomato soup. You know, I suppose there's right. chicken noodle soup, but it's the noodles that really taste good. You know, all your vegetable soups, all your soups are vegetable based. Or pretty much all of them I can think of. So there you go. There's a thousand soups that we have for free up available for people to start with. And of course, if you don't have everybody convinced in the family, we deal with this a lot. We run live-in programs where people take our course. They get a full medical evaluation all over the world. We do it over the internet these days. And uh, sometimes people don't have everybody in the family that wants to go along. So the way we try and teach them is we tell them, look, make your meal for everybody. Like, for example, make bean burritos. So you get nice, healthy tortilla shells. Uh, you have you cook your beans without the lard. Yeah, disgusting. Lard is disgusting. A greasy spoon is a description for a bad restaurant. Anyway, you leave the grease out, okay? You leave the grease out. You put the beans on. You put some clean rice on. You have little tomatoes, lettuce. And, you know, if you got people in the family that are quite ready to go along, you make them a little burger off to the side, a little spicy burger meal, or have a little cheese off to the side. Uh, you say, do the same thing with a, an Italian meal. You make a great big whole bunch of pasta and marinara sauce, which is the, what you like. I mean, that's the part of the meal you like. And, and then if you have people who just aren't ready to go along, you, you know, make them some meatballs off to the side. You know, you don't have to disrupt the entire family. And the, the results, I mean, people who follow this way end up 
looking, feeling, and functioning the way that they eat. It's the quality of the food, not the amount you eat. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have an obsessive compulsive eating disorder. You don't have a, a you know, and some kind of emotional psychiatric disease. It's just that you're eating food that does not satisfy your appetite. What satisfies the human appetite is starch. Okay. In what people eat traditionally, so the, the bad parts you're saying of the current standard American diet is the meat portion, or are there other parts of it that are, uh, are bad for well, you? You know, I've, I've been in the, edu- the education business for a half a century. The problem is to get people to change. You know, I'm a real doctor. I see real patients. Uh, it's easy when we're dealing with things like tobacco addiction. People only have to do one thing. It's just quit, start breathing clean air or alcoholics. And by the way, you don't get an alcoholic to sober up by switching them to beer and wine. You don't get a cigarette smoker to quit by cutting down. They have to take a drastic change to be different, but they only have one thing to do. Well, when you deal with food, you know, there's all kinds of crazy rules out there. Skin your chicken, buy skim milk, you know, eat cruciferous vegetables, don't eat GMOs, you know, you don't know what, what to do. What to do? So I put it into two categories of food poison. Just like there's tobacco poisoning and alcohol poisoning, there is food poisoning. And the two categories are animal foods and oils, free oils like olive oil, corn oil, safflower oil. These are toxic. And so you know, I know, I know your listeners are going, "Wow, that's everything I eat. There's nothing to eat. I can't. He, t- he took everything away from me. Excuse me." You know, you, I just told you, you get to eat, you get to eat bean burritos, pasta marinara sauce, mushu vegetables. You get to eat your favorite Thai dishes, your favorite Chinese dishes, your favorite Japanese dishes. Whoa. You know, like I say, we got 4,000 recipes published. Uh, getting back to compliance, uh, Oregon Health and Science University studied our program and found that at a year, 85% of people were compliance. Why? Why? You know, there, there was no reason to do this yes, except it was, it was preferred. easy enough to do, yeah. And it's so nice to be able to get on an airplane and not ask for a seatbelt extender. It's so nice not to go to the big lady sizes on the dress shop. I'm sorry. Life is difficult when you don't understand how to eat. And once you do, you get control back. I mean, you get your life back. I I take care of a lot of successful people. I want to be very blunt with you. I run a a very high class, economically advantaged practice. And, And these are people who are very successful. They've spent a, a lot of effort to get an education. They've brought up their family with a good moral fiber. You know, they, they've tried to contribute to their community and uh, be the best they can. And these successful people, they come, they come to see me and they say, you know, I'm a big success. I own this company. I have this many grandchildren. I'm a big success. How come I'm so fat? How, how come I'm so sick? And the answer is you don't understand the rules. The reason you're fat and sick is because you eat like a king and a queen. And where you get your health back is you eat the diet of human beings, which is 99.99% of people who ever walk this earth obtained the bulk of their calories from starch. Why would it change in the last 50 to 100 years? So that's where the epidemic of sickness happened. Heart disease, breast cancer, colon cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. Well, you know, what, about, I, what about people that talk about the, the paleo diet? You know, I guess back in the day before agriculture, would people have had to just lived on meat, live on meat? And by the way, I wrote a whole article on the paleo diet. You can find it on my website, <laughs> look up the paleo diet. Uh, the paleo diet is in some ways a better diet. They, they tell you not to eat any dairy products and that's good. But what they do is they emphasize meat. In fact, they emphasize meat to the point where you can develop something called rabbit toxicity, where you eat so much protein 
that you become sick and could die. They, they recommend eating rattlesnakes, endangered animals, you know, oh, so, and I could go on and on and on. It's just, it's not a healthy diet. All this protein causes a tremendous amount of damage to the liver, to the kidneys. It causes osteoporosis and kidney stones. Because of food restriction, because you're not eating, you know, all the dairy products, for example, people uh, experience temporary benefits. Well, what I wanted to tell you was this, is they got it all wrong. You know, they thought our ancestors lived on meat, even even the, the Neanderthals. When you study their remains and you look at the bones of these uh, ancient people, you could determine what their usual diet was. And you find Neanderthals lived on starch-based diets all the way from the sunny, hot Mediterranean, all the way up to the cold North Sea. You know, I, I can show you populations of people in Russia, Italy, uh, various parts of, of Central Europe, where they have remains 40,000 years ago of these people. They lived on starch-based diets. I can take you to Mozambique, Africa. And I can show you populations of people that were 105,000 years ago lived on starch-based diets. These people that, you know, this, uh, let me tell you, it's a, it's a sex thing. It's, it's a gender bias thing. It, let me tell you how it goes. Who gathers the food for a community, for a village? Who does that? The children, the women, yeah. the grandparents. Right. Okay, who who's go, goes out for the hunt? Yeah, we okay. guess the men in most yeah, cultures. And, and how often do you think they brought back fresh meat? Not often when they did, they got a little more attention from the females in the community. Listen, the glory goes to the men. It always has. It's a gender bias, but it's the, it's the, the women, the grandchildren, the children, the grandmothers, the grandfathers who got the food. So you got to stop buying into that myth. Okay. Are there, what are some of the challenges people have in doing your program? Like, What have you heard over time well, that people have difficulty with? Well, let me tell, let me tell you, you know, first of all, you got to got to have people uh, come to the point where they decide that they want to have a different life. You know, I'm tired of being the way I was before. So I've made this choice with alcohol, with tobacco in my life. You know, you make a decision. I've had it. I don't want to be that way anymore. And once you've made that decision, then you have to find the truth. And the truth, you know, it's got to be true from every point of view. And unfortunately, in our society, you also have to deal with the medical businesses. The medical business is dedicated to doing things to you. Now, 80% of a hospital's income comes from the heart surgery department. So you have, you're dealing with, with people who are motivated to do more things, to sell more products, put you on more drugs, to operate. You're, you're dealing with a, an, an antagonistic business. So fortunately, at our program, we have doctors who are trained to get you out of these circumstances, to get you minimal care. Less is better in most cases. So you need to find a doctor in your community who will at least go along with you and realize that sick people take drugs. Sick people have their chest and their abdomens littered with scars. Healthy people don't. You know, if you want to be a healthy person, you don't aim for more medication. You, right. want, your, you want to get off these drugs. So yeah. anyway, that's that's what we do. We run a, uh, and I told you it costs $6,000 when we ran it as a residential program. Well, you know what? Through the blessings of the internet, we dropped the program costs by half, and it's a better program. You know, now our doctors come into your home. You know, our our support specialists help you with breakfast in the morning. You know, anybody who really wants to get things changed correctly and as soon as possible, I'd get involved with a program like we recommend. But, you know, you need to understand that everything, pretty much everything on my website is free. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why it's free. You know, there was a time when I couldn't sell it. 
you know, just like your reaction was, you know, why should I believe you when we have all these people telling me to live on meat? Uh, it was a, it was a tough sell to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, it's 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 not that case in, anymore. And but Mary and I, my wife and I, we developed this program over the last half century. We felt that we owed an obligation to others because we were given this great gift. You know, I I almost died before I was thirty years old. I weighed. Oh, what happened to you? Oh, I I, weighed, I ate the American diet. I, I I was raised by parents who went through the depression and their attitude was my, my children will never have to suffer. Like I did. I had to live on potatoes and turnips during the depression. So, you know, they believed that calcium and protein were the most important. In fact, the only important nutrients. So I was fed the rich Western diet. There was a time just before I, well, just after I finished my medical school, when I weighed 90 pounds heavier than I weigh now. When I first started college at 18, I had a massive stroke. And I still walk today with a very significant limp. I had a major abdominal surgery at 24. I'm mean, so fat at 22 that my mother called me fat. I, would, I wouldn't have made it to 30 years of age. I would have had heart surgery or been dead. I'm, I'm, I'm 74 years old. And hopefully you find me lively enough for you. Oh, yeah. Hey, you sound like you're doing great. So what's, um, when people go through this program, what are some of the challenges they have? What makes it difficult for them? Well, you know, first is the decision that you've had enough. You know, uh, I, I, and, I, and the way I dealt with my personal habits, let's take my tobacco addiction I used to have, which, by the way, I quit on October 20th, 1972, hopefully for the last time. Uh, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the reasons I wanted to quit. I got tired of, I, I, know, I knew I was a social disgrace. I stunk terrible. And I hated act, asking for ashtrays every time I went to somebody's house. And back then I was really poor. And I would burn holes in my clothes. And I would think about all of these things that are negative for me that I wanted to change. And finally, I got it built up to the point where I was willing to change. I wanted to be different. So you have to come to that, that understanding that you want to be different. Then you have to seek out solutions. I've, I've given you a solution that makes common sense. You've seen it. You don't have to believe me. If you're um, a person of history, of geography, of nutrition, you understand the truth. The truth is simple and easy to understand. And, you know, it doesn't change either. People, you know, I've been teaching the same thing for a half of 44 years. And, and people, including my son, who's a professor at Oregon Health and Science University, is his dad, you know, you, you, you put all this in paper like 40 years ago. Why do you keep writing books? You know, you, your, your first book said it all. And, I, and people come to me and they ask me, well, why don't you change? Why don't you update your theories? Hey, hmm. the truth doesn't have to be changed. Why, why, why would you change the truth? And, and again, you know, I gave you some really simple examples. You told me that you recognize rich people eating at the king's table. They weren't trim. They were sickly looking. Right. Do, 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 I, I don't know whether this is, uh, I hate to get into religion, but, but it's worth it. Because some of your listeners out there, they've been raised in the Christian religion. Any of you who are, uh, are students of the Bible know the first chapter of Daniel. The first chapter of Daniel, this is uh, 2,600 years ago. Uh, he takes his men to a different kingdom. And they serve the rich food at the king's table. And so Daniel asked the gatekeeper whether or not he could feed his men pulses and water, vegetables and water for 10 days. And that we would evaluate the health of my men versus the king's men. And every version of the Bible says the same thing. 
those who lived on the pulses, which are vegetables, which are starches and water, they they had exemplary health. And it's that way with my program. I've run a 10-day program. Now we run a 12-day program. Is it takes only about that long for people to go, well, you can imagine the burden lifted off of people who've been taking these blood pressure pills, these diabetic pills, these insulin shots, and worse, you know, for their whole life, and they see no way of getting out of it. They can get out of it. You know, as I told you, we get we get nearly 90% of people off their medication or reduce their medication, particularly when it comes to blood pressure and diabetes. So they, you know, what, what happens to them in the first week or two when they do this? You said they lose weight and everything. Yeah. Well, I gave you the data. If, uh, if they've been, well, yeah, but if, they, if they've been eating the way they've been eating for, you know, let's say 50 years, yeah. I would think that at first, maybe they don't feel well while they're adjusting to the diet or do they immediately feel better? What, what, almost, what always, almost, almost always they feel better. Sometimes they have withdrawal. Like, for example, mm-hmm. if you drink caffeine, coffee, you'll have withdrawal. If you decide to quit, we don't ask people to quit coffee. You know, we're not a drug rehab program or a food program, food rehab. But as far yeah. as any difficulties, no. At, when we ran a residential program, one of the changes that happened was noted by the people who ran the resort. They used to have to order extra toilet paper when our program came to town. And you know why? Because finally the bowel started working. So I also had to, I also had to order extra food because our people ate a tremendous amount of food. So no, it's like if you, like you have a car. A car runs on gasoline. You're trying to run it, or, or better yet, my you have a two-stroke uh, uh, chainsaw and you try and run it on four-stroke without the oil. It doesn't go so good. And if you put the, the regular two-stroke oil combination back into the, I hope I have that right, into the chainsaw, then what happens is it runs great. Okay, I'm just guessing that most of your audience has has failed to appreciate how good they can look, how good they can feel, you know, how really, you know, the control that they have over their health. And, and if you give these people the opportunity you know, many of them will do it. Some won't. Some are self-destructive, I admit. But the answer is no. You feel good from the day you start. I, I tell people that we started, on, we started on a Friday night. And we, we limit our programs to 40 people. Our whole staff, we got a large staff, takes care of 40 people. We started on a Friday night. And I tell them, I said, by Tuesday, you're going to get it. You'll be on a minimum amount of medication. You'll like the foods. You'll understand what we're talking about. But you got to give us till Tuesday. I'm giving me five days. You know, you spent five decades getting into trouble. We have an extremely talented staff. We, we have a remarkable group of teachers and, and, and support staff. But what are, what are some of the uh, interesting nuances of the program that you've seen over the years? Like any special cases of people that, you know, the stories of which you remember yeah. that really uh, impacted oh, you? What a privilege it is for me to be a doctor, to get to, to touch people, to talk to them. I'd have to say that so many people are remarkable. Let, let me, uh, you, you ask me what I've learned and how things have changed for me over the years. Let me explain to you how I discovered all this. I, I was raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or Michigan area. And I met my wife, Mary, in Grand Rapids, and we moved to Hawaii, and I took my surgical internship there. And then I got a job because I didn't want to leave Hawaii. I got a job as a sugar plantation doctor on the Big Island of Hawaii, and there's where I learned everything. Uh, my job was to take care of 5,000 sugar plantation workers. These were people who were first generation. In other words, they were raised in the Philippines, Japan, Korea, China, and they moved from their native lands with their native diet of rice to Hawaii, and they started a family. 
So I was taking care of the first, second, third, fourth generation, and I watched them get progressively sicker as they switched from a diet of rice and vegetables they learned in the Philippines, China, et cetera. And, and I saw them become just like Americans, you know, just like, like white people. Or, or black people in this country. This has nothing to do with race. Okay, so I, uh, you know, that's that's where I learned all this. Is I saw the difference in health in in uh, the, my patients. So I was taking care of five thousand people, and then I went back into training, and I found out that the scientific literature was loaded with information that said something really simple, and that is when you stop throwing gasoline on a fire, people get well. And since that time, I've been trying to figure out how to get this message across to people. The first book that Mary and I wrote was called Making the Change. Because we knew that the problem was to get people to change. I have, uh, as, as you mentioned, I have 13 national best-selling books, and most of them have my name in the title. The last two books, The Starch Solution and The Healthiest Diet on the Planet, don't have my name in the title. But I, I wanted, it was so important that I got the concept of starch across to people, that I was willing to sacrifice everything and call the book The Starch Solution. So I've been trying to find out different ways to teach people. I've had radio shows, uh, some of the biggest radio shows in the, in the country. I ran a show on the West Coast that used to get 2,000 phone calls a night. It was rated between number one and number seven in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and so on. You know, I've lectured all over the country. I've run the live-in programs. I've written books you know, just to try and teach people. But I have to tell you, and I, I know some of you may think that I'm trying to promote what we're doing now, and I am because it's such an effective tool to take and move this online. You know, people used to have to travel from Tokyo, from you know, Berlin from Detroit and Portland and so on. They used to have to get on an airplane, fly down to Santa Rosa to see us and stay away from their family for, for 14 days and, you know, have all the expenses and the, and the unfamiliar surroundings. And now they don't go anyplace. They just sign up. They attend the lectures every morning. Our support staff meets with them, finds out what their blood sugar is, their blood pressure, makes necessary changes with the doctor's orders, finds out what they're going to have for breakfast, supports them throughout the day. Then we have education throughout the day, a lot of group interaction. That's something that we thought we were going to miss when we moved from a residential to an online program, which we thought we'd miss the personal interaction, but we figured out a way to get around it. And so people really get to know each other too. You make friends all over the world when you attend this kind of program. Yeah. And you get your health back. What's your thoughts on the the role of sugar and the amount of sugar people take in? Good or bad? Not not health food. Rots teeth. It is empty calories. It will be calories that the body burns as opposed to fat. So it'll make it harder to lose weight. And uh, sugar raises triglycerides and sensitive people. And triglycerides are the fat in your blood. Not health food. But, but it's also not the problem. The problem are the two food poisons I mentioned, which are the animal foods, be they frog legs or toad's tails or cows butts or whatever you know animal foods and oils those are the main problems salt and sugar are things that we really enjoy and, and by the way we use a little salt and sugar in our program why you know, remember the mary poppins saying a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down so yeah. we use a little bit of maple syrup on our pancakes we use a little bit of brown sugar on our oatmeal in the morning this is not a deprivation program you give up things that you don't like you give up the taking the pills you give up wondering whether you're going to get out of bed the next day or your spouse is going to get out of bed the next day. You get your health back. You get control. You know, it just it makes so much sense, and that's why people comply. That's why we have an 85% compliance rate at the end of the year documented, not only documented by Oregon Health and Science University, but independent research done out of New Zealand. Researchers in yeah. New Zealand studied our program, and they found 
a very similar compliance rate. They, they found a 25 pound weight loss in a year using our diet. Hey, you know, the science is clear, but of course there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in science these days, aren't there? I.e. global warming. You want to talk about that for a minute? Global warming? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. If you wouldn't mind, I, I'd like, you know, as I told you, we started out this thing. You gave a lot of accolades for me and I appreciate that. But uh, the most important thing on my, remember I'm in my mid seventies. The most important thing on my mind are got seven grandchildren. Well, there you go. There's the mind again. It's seven grandchildren, and you know they, they don't have a future. And, and but we can solve that. You know, there's a, there's a whole different way of looking at at our existential problems, and, and that is uh, there's some major changes that can be made, and people are making them. You know, electrical vehicles, uh, solar heating, better transportation. You know, the the whole infrastructure that's being planned. We could have a, a brave new world, a new society, but we won't unless we get the food fixed. And that's what the scientists say. Over half the greenhouse gases are a consequence of the livestock industry. The Eat Lancet Commission, the Eat Lancet Commission told us that if you switch to a vegan diet, you'll cut your greenhouse gases overnight by 50%. If, unless we fix the food, it's not going to matter. It's not going to be enough. And so, you know, as I say, I spent 44 years trying to fix people's health with some success. And now I have a few more years left. And I, I want to be in a situation where my grandchildren never say, Grandpa, why didn't you try harder? So that's why I interrupt this show and ask you if I could just have a, a few moments to try and make people aware that they have a tool. If you're concerned about the, what, the way we're heading in terms of our, our home, you, you have a tool that you can exercise right now. You can change your own diet. The production of, of calories, you're 20 times more calories out of potatoes than you get beef. The destructive capacity of beef. What they say, my wife was telling me that Epicure magazine said they won't take any more recipes with beef in them. You know, people are becoming conscientious of what in the heck's going on. But we need to move faster. We need to move back to the traditional diet of people. Remember, the people in Central America were known as the people of the corn. In South America, the Incas lived on potatoes. The Middle East was the breadbasket of the world. In the Far East, you think about rice. That's where we have to. It's that simple of a change. It's a U-turn that we can make now, and we can save this place. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Well, tell me, you, know, you, you asked at the beginning to, uh, to allow listeners to find your program. So you said now it's online. So where can they go? Where can people find out more about your program? Well, they can find, they can find uh, you know, 800 recipes free instructions how to do it, all the things that I've been talking about. Pretty, like I told you, pretty much everything is free. Unless you but you said to. that your, your program was highly successful. So instead of them just going and looking at free articles, yeah, it sounds like the they should look that's at your program instead of formalized way. You know, that's the way it is. Thank you for clarifying that. You know, you don't, you don't learn how to file a lawsuit by reading a book. You take a course. Anyway, we, we have a highly effective program, but I don't want people to say, well, you know, I can't afford to do what McDougall does, so I'm not going to listen to what he has to say, even though he's very passionate about it. Uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the website is uh, drmcdougall.com, spelled D-R-M-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L.com. But I, I bet you if you put Dr. McDougall in the website, that's going to come up. And we have some really great YouTube videos. We have a channel that's amazing. The, the, the opportunity is yours if you just want to learn. And, and if what I've told you makes common sense, if you can see this as a possibility, because what we're doing now is so wrong in terms of personal health. Almost everybody's sick or overweight in terms of planetary destruction, in terms of animal cruelty. You know, it's time, folks, to turn things around. And you've got to know the truth. And thank you for letting me have a chance to share the truth with your listeners. Oh, very good. 
But John, thank you so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.